0: Maybe seated. wonderful to be with you and thank you so much. Uh, Again, we we spoke of this being a a Sanctity of Life Sunday. We had plans. I don't know if you all have experienced this in 2020 and 2021. You have plans that don't work, right? (laughs) We had plans. We had set the, the Sunday up. We had all three of our podcasts were ready to provide resources. We had some responses. We were integrating with our worldview and then just reality set in when Knoxville became like the epicenter of the COVID outbreak when we were trying to do this. We said, let's back away from that. Let's not do that, but let's go ahead and take the morning, the intersection of the passage in Romans, the intersection of the moment that we're in, and the intersection of this is the week when we think of uh, Roe v. Wade, and we all have different emotions, thoughts, and ways we engage that, and, and let's spend time talking about it, which leaves you with me. And here's mostly what you're going getting. About over a dozen scripture passages I'm going to walk you through and a pretty raw opening of my own heart as we walk through this issue. And the, In order to get through this, there's a requirement that I get somewhat naked as a metaphorically TV. It's okay. Wait, well, sorry. Right. Keep the TV on. It's all metaphorical. Um, that could be terrible. Um, because there's, this is just not a, a ideological thing for me. This isn't a principle or a thought or a, a opinion or even a, even a theological position for me. It is so much more. Because we're not gonna talk about anyone that, or anything that's not touches me very deeply. That, that we're not talk about any type of, of situation, whether it's abortion, adoption, foster care, being post-abortive, being very passionate about life, being pro-life, being someone who engages and tries to make sense out of the world we live in, being struggling with in some spaces where if you speak loudly of the unborn, you're gonna be characterized as not caring for women, of being aware of men are involved in this. There's so many pieces to this that are, I'm not Teflon on this, so I'll tell you honestly, I'm not. But I wanna give you the gift of the posture of how we walk through this as we continue to grow. And Stacy and I, we have a coalition of people who are working in this church and in the community and our desire is to to raise up a a movement of addressing life that will reflect the fullness of the Word of God and the heart of the Father and the mission of the church. And so I wanna bring you into that by talking about the path of sustainable love. Because what is needed, and when we approach any subject like this particularly, what is needed is a path of sustainable love. A love that is merciful, a truthful love, a gracious love, an uncompromising love, a comforting love, a just love, a strong love, a tender love, an unending love, an unwavering love, and a more than human love is needed. So that's where I want to walk you through it. If you have your Bibles or you want to follow along, we are going to touch on the passage we were in in Romans. We're going to build off of that for a while. We're going to come back to it to understand it and how it speaks to our moment. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Oh, no one anything. This is not talking about finances. This is talking about relationship. This is about what we offer to one another. And you can see it in the context of what we were talking about last week of how we are to steward our relationship With the government, we are to steward our relationship with each other. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And I wanna make three observations about the passage that I want you to understand. Someone has said, by the way, love God and do what you want. Now that can be dangerous, right? I love God, so No, if you genuinely love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, that's what you're gonna to want to do and it's going to fall in place, but none of us do that perfectly. And as a corollary, if you love God well and you really loved your neighbor, you don't really have to worry about all the things because they're gonna just happen, but we do because we don't love God perfectly. We don't love our neighbor perfectly. Jesus gave us, first of all, the understanding that this law, these commandments were never intended to earn salvation, never intended to give us a step up on other people spiritually, never intended to be used the way the rich young ruler who encountered Jesus, who said, hey, I've done all of it. Like, I'm good, right? And Jesus said, well, not really, because it really wasn't about you doing all of it. It's about a relationship of worship and you're doing all of it, but you're doing all of it for you. The law is always intended to be a tutor to grace, to show what is not capable and possible for us. Second of all, Jesus reframed all these commands when he said, uh, yeah, it's, here's the deal. If you've committed adultery, I mean, we all understand what that is, but you also must understand that if you look at a woman with lust, you've also committed adultery because this is about the heart, not just the observable actions. Jesus completely reframed this as a about who we are, not just the actions behaviorally that we do. Or if you've called your, your someone rock a fool, you've committed murder just as if you'd actually murdered someone. And I'm a wanted man. I am a wanted man. Because this last week on Hardin Valley Road, headed towards Pellissippi, going underneath the underpass, headed all further down into Hardin Valley, I just don't live in Hardin Valley. I don't go there very much, wasn't thinking a whole lot about it. But now I think about it. Because as I came up to the traffic light just before you get under the Pellissippi Parkway, I noted there's 40 cars in this lane, there's two here. What? Who wouldn't get in the right-hand lane? So I get in the right-hand lane. Very quickly I realized why I w- it was okay to get in the right-hand lane. Because the right-hand lane runs out after you go under the bridge, right? And now you are either going into camp- Pellissippi State's campus and the hard curb there, you're going to have to merge in. Now, look, I lived in Chicago for a dozen years. Merging is not a problem for me. It doesn't intimidate me. I am fine. It's pretty easy. Accelerate and wedge. It's just, that's all you do. It's really easy. So I'm accelerating and wedging. Well, evidently the guy or gal, whoever was driving that car did not feel the same way about me. And they accelerated to block me. And I being the man of God, I did and accelerated more Until my wife finally said, Rick, let it go. (laughs) To which I said in my heart, idiot. (laughs) If that was you, I'm really sorry. I asked, uh, please forgive me. But why wouldn't you just let me in? No, I'm sorry, sorry, (laughs) I digress. So I'm really quick, because I'm an arrogant person who thinks they're right and should have my way and I'm really quick to just decide, you're an idiot. And Jesus would say, It may have different social accountability and consequence that you didn't go after the guy physically, but it's the same thing in your heart. Jesus also said clearly, when asked about who are our neighbors, referred to someone who would be considered his enemy, someone who is unclean, unlike, not okay. When he made it clear that everyone, every human being is a neighbor and our peer. And that's going to include, as we look this morning, the unborn are our neighbor. The pregnant woman or girl is our neighbor. The person who's had an abortion is our neighbor. The man who fathered a child that was aborted is our neighbor. The person who's extremely passionate and walking in uh, peaceful protest in healthy ways and active in our community, that's our neighbor. And the person who would say to you, Rick, after this sermon, you are narrow-minded and you are not a safe person because of your stance on the unborn is also my neighbor. So we need a sustainable love that understands everybody. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning. The first foundation of sustainable love is human dignity and worth rooted in the image of God. That human dignity and worth are rooted in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Now he is not talking of himself as a polytheistic God. He's speaking of himself in the plural as his wholeness. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The whole earth as we sing. So God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The dignity and the worth of a human being at any stage of life, any moment, any person of any background or any category is rooted not in what they bring, what they do, what they value, what they, uh, what they contribute. It's, it's in who they are in the image of God. It's unchanging. James 3, 8, 9 recognizes this. James, the brother of Jesus, will refer to him often because he spoke a lot about the practical realities of what his brother was teaching after he came after the resurrection to believe in his brother as truly the Messiah. He says, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Yes, it is. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. James would say, Rick, you, you have to understand, if you're like, praise you, Jesus, the whole earth, it's your breath in my lungs that pour out their praise, and then you look at him, idiot! Those are incongruent statements. Was it necessary for him to almost run you off the rope? No. Is there a constant, I mean, is there behavioral? Like, there's something going on there. But your heart is a denial of the reality you're just saying. Because he or she is created in the image of God, including in the womb. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Intimate, attentive, affectionate involvement in the forming of humanity in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, whoa, 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 whoa. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, person, human, in his image. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Humanity, full of dignity and worth, and that dignity and worth is purposeful in every human being, not just Jeremiah, and it's permanent. It's endowed. It's It's inescapable. And yet, people try to escape this all the time for all kinds of reasons. Some we may know, some we may not know. You know, it's interesting that the further science goes into the womb, the more science will tell us that this is actually a human being life. And the very people who often scream, follow the science, won't. Because it requires an acceptance of a reality that is a very complex, often painful, tough place to enter into. Let me say this now. If you are a woman who has had an abortion, or someone you love has had an abortion, or you're a man who's fathered a child that's been aborted, I ask of you, please contact a ministry called Deeper Still that utilizes retreats, the scriptures, and, and others who have been through their experience to bring redemption, redemption and hope and healing. There is, there is nothing about what I am saying that is intended to bring shame or condemnation or in any way make you other. I get it. So does Jesus. And he enters into that place with you if you align in that place. So We have a saying that I often use, conviction without condemnation, compassion without compromise. We will be on this conviction with no condemnation, of it. that's not our job. Condemnation's not our work. And we'll be full of compassion, but we can't compromise what Scripture has actually taught. People, it, it, it's just the, the level of what people will do to not have to deal with this reality. Atlantic Monthly, online at least, December 2020, had this article. And I looked, at I didn't know it was been written recently, but I knew the story. Denmark is a very compassionate country with extraordinary health care. Uh, and it's free health care, free education to even those with disabilities. It's just, there's a lot there. Uh, And the issue of Down syndrome, and I don't know how many of you understand Down syndrome or have been around someone with Down syndrome, I've had the privilege of of being not only friends with and known uh, men and women of Down syndrome, but also families who have children with Down syndrome. We don't ever want to stereotype or particularize one experience to everybody, but in general the nature of a person with Down syndrome tends to be a very uh, affectionate, uh, jovial, desiring of relationship personality seems just to be a part of. You You often will see on TV, you'll see the, the kid who maybe was the manager of the team who goes out and scores the three-pointer, and everybody's so excited because he or she's just been such a beautiful part of the team, and now they've, they're just celebrating them. Well, Denmark, even to the point that if you have Down syndrome, which would, typically would include genetically wider feet and, less, uh, and more flexible, looser feet, Denmark will actually for free will provide you with shoes, so you can... And yet... Uh, in Denmark last year, there were, in uh, 2004, uh, they began prenatal Down syndrome screening. So a, a pregnant woman could find out if her child had Down syndrome. And 95% of all Danish women since then have aborted their children if the test came back positive. There were 19 down, 18 Down syndrome children born in the entire country last year. Here's the headline, the last children of Down syndrome prenatal testing is changing who gets born and who doesn't. This is just the beginning. Ideas have consequences. Not engaging the full breadth of of the truth of scriptures has consequences. Whether it's the truth of life in the womb or the truth of restoration and redemption for someone who has had an abortion. These truths must be held because People are lost at sea without a compass. Imagine you're in a storm, you're in a ship, there's a huge storm, the waves are building, it's dark, you can't navigate, you have no idea where you are, you don't have a compass, you don't have any modern equipment, and you're just out there, and just whatever comes along just whips you around. That's how people are living their lives who are unmoored from this reality, who don't have the navigational tools of scripture and of truth and of the dignity and worth of humanity, and as a result, it becomes a very, very scary place to lose one's way. There's another foundation of sustainable love for human beings, and that is human relationships rooted in character, the character of God. Not only the dignity and worth of the person, but how we relate rooted in the character of God. First John 4, 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The character and nature of loving God is to love brothers, sisters, and neighbors, and enemies. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth, James says. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly and spiritual demonic. Now listen to how he describes it. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable and gentle and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Our relationship should be characterized in this way. Our relationships comes to someone who's pregnant, someone who's considering abortion, someone who's considering foster care or adoption for their child someone who cares deeply enough to offer their home as a place for foster care, who cares deeply enough to become an adoptive family, who cares deeply enough to come around families and help them with resources and what they'll need and be there when it's hard or if they find that there's a struggle they had not anticipated, someone who'll come alongside someone who's had an abortion, someone who'll come alongside a a man who's fathered a child who's had an abortion, someone who'll come alongside those who struggle trying to make sense of this because the entire world tells you to pit the woman against the child. It's the cultural lie. You have to love one or the other instead of loving the child is loving the mom and loving the mom is loving the child. And we offer pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, peaceful engagement of people around all of these issues. Well, what if they don't, what if it doesn't work? What, it's not your job to make things work. Most things, you're in exile. It's probably not going to work. It's not the point. The point is that's what you offer and you gauge. And it's how you walk into someone's very painful story and offer them a place and invite them into the bigger story of who God is. Great are you, Lord. He's great. He can handle whatever this is. He can handle it. It doesn't mean there aren't issues. It doesn't mean you don't need resources. It doesn't mean you don't need people. But I'm telling you, he's great enough for this. Because human love is to be rooted in being loved well by God. To have the character towards people who are full of dignity and worth because of the image of God, to relate in them in a way that speaks the character of the Father, is to require for us to experience deeper and deeper layers of the Father. 1 John four nineteen says it well. We love because he first loved us. Jesus in the garden in John 17, he's saying, Father, the way you've loved me, I want you to love them so they'll know what it's like to be loved by you. And the phrase you hear me say often, only the well-loved can ever love well. Only the well-loved love well. It is impossible for me to love well with the love of the Father I have not experienced. And so it may seem counterintuitive to you, but if we were to press into places like this, the first thing we have to do is make sure we're being well loved by our Father and coming with His character towards these very difficult situations. That's the path of sustainable love. And here's just some passages of Scripture I'm gonna go through quickly to show you how it fleshes its way out, to give us a chance to ask ourselves the question, is this the love coming out of me? Is this the character coming out of me? Am I full of conviction on the life of the unborn without condemnation against those who are in different places than me or have acted differently than me or have experienced differently than me? Am I full of compassion towards all those who need the restoration work of the Spirit, who need to, to understand and know these truths and yet not compromising? This is the truth and the reality. It's impossible without the love of the Father. But listen to what relationships look like. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor everyone. Don't dishonor anybody. Love the brotherhood or the sisterhood. Love first those who are part of the community of God because the community of God needs to be loved well so it can love well in all the ways that you're going to get pushed back and you will get pushed back and you will be misunderstood and you will be categorized and you will be alienated in some ways, but that's just being an exile. Let love be genuine abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't it the human nature? You are, well, I didn't feel like they showed me very much. I just said it. There we go. Somebody said something to me this last week. And I said, it was such a lack of respect and it offended me. And the sins that came out of my mouth, I was like, I sure spend a lot of energy around things that dishonor me. How much energy do I spend about ways I dishonor others? As the love of the Father calls me to that. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Some have misused this passage, like people misuse passages as if this is like, you've gotta be at church. If you're online, this passage, or if you're connected, this is not about whether or not you're in person in a worship service. This is about being so loved well by the Father that you don't just think, how's it working for me? You think about how's it working for we? And how can I encourage and help others? Because this is hard, this is a hard moment. It's not getting easier. For all the emotion of 2021 and this being over and this being done, this isn't about to get easier. We need the Father, we need each other. So I've coined this term called brothering and it it means brother and sister, it's not male gender specific. But I just want you to think about what brothering is. Brothering is when you're identifying with other people as being created in his image and honoring one another for that image and aligning one another, trying to build an alliance, be part, be in every way you can to together express to the degree the person is willing because what you want is a we that's greater than a me. Sometimes I can feel very alone. I feel very misunderstood. I feel very frustrated. I'm sure some of it's self-inflicted because I'm a human being too, but I get to those places and God always reminds me, Rick, look around at the people you have around you. You have, there's such opportunity to ally with and to be a we. So that's after two or three years of prayer and understanding why we started this coalition of those who will care for the unborn and for the post-abortive and for the, all the things I've described and all the people in my life and relationships I have, including the people who are opposed to me on this. I have friends, I know folks I care about who care about me who don't agree with what I'm preaching right now. It takes a lot of love to get through that. Brothering. Brothering requires empathy. Empathy is that choice to see what cannot be seen if we remain at a distance, or if we're in a hurry, or we're stuck in our own presuppositions and prejudices. Empathy seeks to know. Every human being wants to be not seen, and known and loved. It's how you're made, because you were made to be in relationship with the Father who sees you and knows you and loves you. And you were made to be in a garden where you could be buck naked with someone else, and it's okay to be seen and known and loved because it's safe, because sin is not there. That's why you long to be emotionally, personally, spiritually seen, naked, and know that it's good and loved in spite of your sin, because you need Jesus and he's met you there. Chloe Poole, one of our young adults, wrote this week in social media, not only has God called us to love God and others as our greatest calling, he has also designed us so that doing these things hits our deepest needs. Do you hear the wisdom of that? It's not just a command he came up with. He made us to thrive being empathetic towards one another and to be drawn into relationship through the empathy of others. It's, he made us. It's where we find fullness to be in relationship, she says, with him and with others. I want to show you, this struck me this week as a great picture of empathy. Now I'm an artist. Y'all know that I, I'm an artist with no talent, but I'm an artist, right? So I can't draw things, make things, take great pictures, but I, I just absolutely am stirred in my soul by anything. That's wonderful artistry. And this picture of empathy to me is so powerful. There's a, a, a photojournalist named Rich Joseph Facoon, and he's had a project he'll be publishing in the fall called Black Diamonds, Appalachia. He is of an indigenous, a Mexican, and Filipino descent, and he moves into southeast Ohio in order to see the people of Appalachia for who they are not just how they're stereotyped. Now, this would not be like the, you're not going to find a wealth of, in this community he's in, and as you read and understand more, you're not going to find a wealth of Mexican-Filipino people here. This is really deep Appalachia. But he takes the pictures to, he says, to get away from the reductionistic way we think about Because don't we all have people we think reductionistically about? I do. Oh, they're, like that, or they're like that, and we don't see who they are. I just want you to look at the eyes of these three pictures, because these are the eyes of a story that I don't know, but I want to know. That's what empathy is. You want to know the story, the person. Don't you wonder what's behind those eyes? Wouldn't you love to sit with her and hear the story of those eyes? Doesn't it give you pause that the festival queen has that look in her eyes? It's empathy, that's what it looks like. And it's so powerful and it's so necessary to brothering. And what it brings us to is a place of living in humility with one another. And that humility and that empathy must be the way we enter into relationships on all these issues, full of conviction, full of passion, full of commitment, full of willingness to sacrifice with empathy and humility. Philippians 2, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love being in full accord and of one mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others this is living with the char- this is loving with the character of god because we've been loved this way that affirms the dignity and worth of individuals created in the image of god regardless of status behavior perception have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Do you catch that? Not make it stronger, make it work. you got to come up with this. you got to try harder. None of that. It's already yours in Christ Jesus to tap into. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, identified with honoring the human form, aligning himself and allying himself with the purposes of the Father in humanity, and humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, so that we might know the Father. There's another term, if you wanna understand this more, you can go to Scientific American, October the 29th, 2020. I talked about this, Lauren, I talked about this in one of our podcasts. It's such a powerful story of how Western culture, European and American is devolving into othering. A disdain for fill in the blank, which diminishes the humanity, dishonors the humanity, creates opposition against the humanity and creates a zero sum game that's about power. We dare not be othering people who see things differently than us, work off of different agendas than us, move into different spaces than us. We want to be brethren, but we also, men and women, students, and boys and girls who are here, we cannot other the baby in the womb. And in any way diminish the dignity and worth. In any way dishonor the creative, intimate, affectionate work in any way become in opposition to the baby that doesn't fit the category or the moment or the woman carrying the baby, lest we get into a zero-sum game and lose the most precious thing we have of being created in His image and redeemed by Jesus. So we must be a people who learn this there's an African proverb. I, 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 when I was in my doctoral program, we had Ailey who was from the country of Burundi. He spoke seven languages and was the best storyteller I've ever been around. And Ailey came from a vill- an African village where he grew up where the elders would tell stories at night. So I've had the opportunity to hear stories from a village like that. It's, I, it's the most astounding, it's so much better than Netflix, I promise you, promise you. Here's an African proverb. I saw you in the distance and I decided you must be a monster. You began to come closer and I thought, no, it's not a monster, it's an animal. Soon you were close enough I could see you weren't an animal, you were a human being. And then you came face to face and I knew you were my brother. That's empathy. That's humility. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Every part of this story, every part of the story of abortion, every part of the story of foster care, every part of the story of every story, every story of marginalized folks needing resource, every story is about this. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbors yourself with the same dignity and worth, with the same character of God that you want applied to you, with the same need for Jesus and the Father's love. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling of the law. As his people, in his image, every human being on the planet needs to be loved by the Father. We do not get to sovereignly control how they respond to it, what they do, but we get to choose to live it and engage it with conviction about the unborn, but not condemnation, with compassion for those suffering and hurting, but no compromise. I share with you this in closing. I didn't know this guy, just ran into this recently. His name is Blake Leaper. He actually went to Dobbins Bennett High School in Kingsport. He was born without any legs below the knees. He's an eight-time Paralympic track and field international medalist, a world record holder and a three-time American record holder. It's worth a look on YouTube to watch him run. I share this story because it became real to me in just watching NBC Nightly News. And uh, Blake is in the place where he's getting adjusted in his prosthetics. He's, He's doing the things you do when you have this kind of disability. And in the hallway is a small child, I would guess 18 to 24 months, who has lost a leg and now has a prosthetic leg. The child is walking with a walker and trying to learn how to use the prosthetic leg, just kind of walking until he sees Blake, and until Blake sees him. And it's like they, they saw each other, the two-year-old and the 31-year-old through the lens of their disability and need. Blake started dancing and the little boy got so excited, he tried to dance. Blake started running and walking and the little boy starts walking, running faster. Do you know why, do you understand why? Because if I'm two years old and have a prosthetic leg and you're walking around on two legs, I can't identify much with that. I can't be like you, but if I can see you, with two missing lower legs dancing and living and inviting me to come with you, I can learn to be like that. Brothers and sisters, I'm the man who doesn't walk on two legs spiritually. And I can invite others who are stumbling and struggling to join me in the dance. And so can you, and it's your best gift of the world. And it's the gift we must give the unborn, and the unborn's mom, and the community. And it matters because of the dignity and worth that we carry through the image of God. Let's pray. Lord, take what is of your word and of your spirit and drill down deeply in our hearts. Whatever is not of you, let it fall to the wayside. Let there be conversations after today, invitations after today. May we become a people known for our care for the unborn and care for the post-abortive. Let's be known as a people who are known for our desire to see babies in the womb become children in the world and then come alongside all the resources that are gonna be required for that to happen well. Oh Lord, give us the Father's heart and mission. In Jesus' name.